0: Make sure you guys thank the band and the band members when you see them, because they, they put in a lot of work and uh, they practice every Sunday evening at my house. So if you're if you play or sing and you want to be involved, let Mike know, and uh, he can he can hook you up. Um, but we're really we really appreciate everything they do. So thank you guys. Um, Luke chapter 11, one to thirteen. I am hoarse still. Uh, still have a sore throat, trying to get rid, rid of it. So bear with me if it sounds a little weird. If it sounds a little shaky tonight, um, I'm here. I'm just, I'm just weak. Um, okay. The next couple of weeks, we're doing prayer parables. Okay. These parables have to do with prayer. And uh, this is probably one you've heard before. In fact, I bet you the beginning part of this, the context is the the Lord's Prayer. Uh, All of you probably in here know. In fact, I grew up in a church where we said the Lord's Prayer each and every Sunday. And uh, I don't know if I even ever thought about it. It was kind of like rote memory. I just like it would roll off my tongue and uh, I would say it. Um, And uh, if you grew up in Southern culture... And even like football teams, high school fo- football teams would say the Lord's prayer uh, before games. If you guys have seen um, Friday Night Lights, they actually say that prayer at one of the games. Mike, do you know? That King, you guys? Huh? Did you guys ever say it? Okay. See. Um, so in the Bible Belt or in, in places where it's more of a kind of a Christian culture, uh, you, you could hear this prayer at, in school. Believe it or not. Um, and so, the context of this prayer parable is right after uh, the Lord's Prayer in uh, Luke chapter 11, 1-13. Uh, to 13. So, um, I hope that when you hear it tonight, though, you hear it new. And uh, you think about it, and it's not just, oh yeah, I know that, and that's it. But you can hear the Lord's Prayer and then the parable that follows it. So, hear God's Word. Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place. Now, this is not the full version in Matthew. It's the full version. But now we go into the parable section. And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within. Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Okay, this ends reading God's Word. The big point is ask away. And keep asking. Um, That prayer ultimately is really like a little child crying out for his mom and dad to come pick him up when he stumbles and skins his knee up. That prayer is this idea of dependence. And the big point here is that prayer is all about asking and being dependent and being humble and being in a place of need and crying out to God. Okay, now when I was a little kid, I was, I was about five years old. I'm often told this story by my sister and brother in law. My sister was 15 years older than I was. Okay, I was the surprise child. Okay, my four siblings were born within five years of each other, and then I was 10 years later. Okay, and uh. I like to say I was a pleasant surprise. But I was also, I know, I admit it, I was spoiled rotten, you know. And, uh, you know, I was like the, the golden child who came along later, okay. And uh, at least I thought I was. <laughs> but anyway, um, my brother-in-law will often tell me this story when I'm getting on his nerves. And uh, my brother, they were he was either dating my sister or engaged, okay. My folks had a little trailer down in Fenwick Island, Delaware. This is right near Ocean City, right near the line where the lighthouse is, if you guys know where that is. And uh, they had a little trailer there, and we would often go down, you know. And so, it's a three-hour ride, right? I'm a little kid. I'm stuck in a car for for three hours. You know, I'm probably crammed in there. My sister's in there. My brother-in-law's in there. And there's only one thing I think... Actually, there's two things I think about when I'm that age and I'm going to the beach or just go to the beach, play at the beach, and Jolly Rogers, okay? And uh, I believe Jolly Rogers is still there, but for a little kid five years old, Jolly Rogers is is the ultimate amusement park. And uh, I just, in my mind, you know, he stands there and beckons you. He's about a thousand feet tall. He's got the sword, okay, the patch over the eye, and he wants all children to come in there and enjoy his rides, okay? And to enjoy bumper cars and roller coasters and everything, and so I had a one-track mind, Jolly Rogers, and apparently during this three-hour trip, all I could say was, take me to Jolly Rogers, I want to go to Jolly Rogers, Jolly Rogers, are we going to go to Jolly Rogers, it's time for Jolly Rogers, I want to go to Jolly Rogers, and uh, the spoiled brat that I am, for some reason, I should have been spanked. But I got to go to Jolly Rogers, and I'm pretty sure my sister and brother-in-law had to, like, watch me and take me, okay? Um, instead, I, you know, probably what needed to be done is I needed to be, like, put on the roof, tied down, and put duct tape over my mouth. But that didn't happen. So I ended up um, going to Jolly Rogers, and I've never been forgiven for that, and that story... I'm 46 years old, will often be brought up at family gatherings about Jolly Rogers. But um, I tell you that because that's the kind, that's kind of what this parable is about here. Ultimately, this parable is about uh, an obnoxious, persistent crying out to God and asking for something. Okay? And... uh, it, w- it was really culturally insensitive what this guy was doing. It was late at night. He was waking up, you know, not only the house, but probably the entire neighborhood. And he didn't care. And it's a parable about prayer. And, the, you know, to some extent, as you think about prayer in your own life, it's always a tricky thing. Because, you know, whenever you start talking about prayer, I always start feeling guilty. Because I don't pray enough. And uh, I feel like, you know... I've, you know, Here I am, a minister, and that's really part of my job description, and I'm bad at it. I'm not disciplined, and my mind wanders. And uh, it's hard to like, sit down and be disciplined and like, go through a prayer list and all these sort of things. Uh, but yet, that's really what God is calling us to. And so, but the thing about it is, is uh, it, it has to do with need. And so as you think about your life, you know, what areas in your life do you just feel stuck? What areas in your life do you just sense that maybe you're depressed or you're scared or there's a lot of anxiety or you're just maybe numb to things or you're apathetic? Um, Maybe it's your future. Maybe it's like you're thinking about your career and even your major right now and you're not even sure if you should be in that major um, or what to do with your life. Uh, Maybe relationally you're thinking about that aspect of your life will anybody ever date me am i dateable or will will I ever be married will I ever have a family um, what are the things that you know constantly come up in your mind those are those are things to pray about but we tend not to we tend to just have all that stuff going on in our mind but we never really get serious about asking uh, and so, don't give up, okay? Um, prayer can, might feel like politics, okay? It might feel like gridlock, like nothing's going to happen now, okay? Uh, it's confusing. Um, and it might feel like God doesn't even exist when you're praying. Uh, but the real question is, are you in the game and are you asking? Are you being obnoxious, so to speak, with your ask? And Jesus said in another place, you have not because you ask not. He wants us to be really specific and really lay it out there uh, for Him in the issues of our life, in the struggles that we have, in the sin issues that we feel like we can't get over, in the roommate struggles that we have, in maybe you've got uh, just struggles with roommates or family members that are not believers or, or whatever is on your heart. Are you praying about those things? or um, is your life more you know, prayers every once in a while, or we pray a little bit here and that's about it, and maybe you think about it every once in a while, maybe when you walk into class and you have a test, I love the Ronald Reagan quote, as long as there are math tests, there will be prayer in school, okay? <laughs> Thank you, Ronald Reagan. Uh, that is so true, but maybe that's the only time you pray. That's okay, okay? When you're in need, that's when you are to pray. Um, but, do you just... Is your life more um, noisy? You know, if you walk around this campus, you all to just do this survey. When you're walking to class, how many people have earbuds in and how many people don't? What is that percentage? I guarantee you it's probably over 50%. Um, people, our, our culture is noisy. We don't like silence. We don't like thinking. We don't like analyzing. We just like either our entertainment... Um, ipod and, I, and i'm raising my hand on that i love to listen to music i love to have the ipod in from jogging or something like that but the real question is are we wasting time here are we not being serious and not really uh praying like the lord calls us to pray and uh because it's all over the scriptures and so here's the here's just three things about this passage why pray how to pray and what's the motive to prayer okay so the first thing is this why pray? And I'm kind of getting. I've already kind of told you what that is. Well, we pray because we're needy. We pray because we're needy. Do you recognize that you're needy? And as you look at the parable, you have these two friends. They're in need. One friend's on a long journey. He visits his friend, but he doesn't have any food when he gets there. And it's at night. It's late. And uh, so, the verse five. Um, he says, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on the journey and I have nothing to set before him. And so the story is about this host who looks in his, his closet and he's got nothing. He's got a bear closet and here he has a friend that comes over. And uh, in that culture, if you're a host and you invite your friend, your traveling friend through, it's, it's unthinkable to not have any food or provisions. And so that's the situation. It was a disgrace to the friendship. It's somewhat like the wedding in Cana of Galilee. Remember when they they ran out of the wine? Here they have this big party, and all the wine goes out. Well, I mean, in that culture, food is everything. I mean, that's their Xbox. That's their Wii. That's you know that's their movie. I mean, it's food. It's all about food, and and good food, um, and w- without food. Um, you know, it's like it's like asking someone out to dinner and then making them pay for it. Okay, I think I think Costanza had to do that several times on Seinfeld. Can I get a witness, anybody, do you think? I'm sure. I'm sure he did. Okay, so we have a desperate situation. And uh, someone's going to lose face socially. And so he goes to the one with the goods. So you got two guys in need and one with the goods. But he's sleeping in his house. And apparently it's a small house. And uh, the bed is probably tucked away against the, the side of the wall. And he's got all the kids there in the bed with him. And he's probably got dogs and animals and sheep and chickens and everything else in between the bed. I mean, I, I don't know. But the point is, I mean, as a one commentator said, that there's probably animals and everything in there too. But the point is, is uh, he's, he's, he's done for the evening. And uh, if he were to get up, everybody is going to disturb the baby and everything else. Uh, and uh, so the friend's outside. He's like, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine is arrived on this journey. I have nothing to set before him. And uh, the friend says no. But the passage goes on uh, and he continues uh, to cry out. Um, but again, what is this all about? Well, it's ultimately about uh, need. It's ultimately about this person being in need and this person not caring. And as you think about prayer, the Lord's Prayer that we just read in the beginning of this is really all about need as well. It's all about being dependent upon God. It's all about acknowledging that we don't have the resources, that all of us are here tonight and we're breathing air that we didn't create. You know, We are in bodies that we didn't create. Uh, we have families that we didn't pick, um, that we are part of this big plan of God, uh, that this, this huge plan of God. And we are part of that story. We're part of that drama. But He's all behind it. And we are dependent creatures. We need air to breathe. We need food. And spiritually, we need the same thing. Uh, we need spiritual life. We need forgiveness of our sins. We need hope. We need we need to to know who God is. We need to know direction from the one who made us. And so we're totally dependent and uh, upon Him. And so humility and prayer go together because humility says, "I don't have it all together. I don't. I don't. I can't even get bread physically, and I certainly can't get bread spiritually myself. I need to ask." And I need to be dependent. And so that's what Adam and Eve were in the garden. They were Before sin entered, they were dependent upon God. They walked with God. They talked with God. They loved God. God gave them everything. They acknowledged God. When sin came in, it separated that. And they said, we don't have to listen to God. We can be independent. We can try to figure out life on our own. And that's the problem. And so... Prayer is all about humility and it's all about faith and it's all about dependence. And that those things are all connected with our sin nature. We don't want to be dependent. We want to be independent. I mean, that's our whole culture. We want to do what we want to do. We want to be a self-made person. And prayer is weak. Prayer is weakness. and But that is what the gospel is all about. It's all about... It's really not weakness, it's really about strength. It's really about acknowledging really who you are. You're finite and you need an infinite God uh, to help you. So really, that's what the Lord's Prayer is. After He says, Father, hallowed be Your name, or praise to Your name, He goes right into all these askings, all these requests. You know, he's asking for God's kingdom to come. You know, he says, as it is in heaven, uh, may it be on earth. You know, God, we see this earth, we see this world, it's messed up, there's sin everywhere. Uh, where there's brokenness. There's people with disease. There's people that come down with things they didn't even know about two days ago. Okay, this world is messed up. We need help. We need your kingdom. We need your healing here. And so, he, so the Lord's prayer is all about asking for God's kingdom to come. Its third request is give us our daily bread. Give us the things that we need. It's acknowledging that we need God every day for the physical things in life. Uh, for everything that we do, and also for the spiritual things. Fourth, forgive us our sins. Now we're going into the spiritual. We're seeing that you know we're sinners and we need forgiveness. We need the Gospel. We need hope. We need our sins taken away. And so, the Lord's Prayer is all about need. It's all about saying, I can't do it. It's not just some rote prayer that we say in church. It's all about saying, God, help us. We need you, and so as you think about your life, and if you take this idea of bread and say, let's change that around, where's the bread run out in your life? You know, wh- what is the bread that makes you go? You know, and where has the bread run out in your life? You know, it could be relationally. There's things that just are bothering you, or you're depressed about things. Could be your future, and you're just at the end of your rope. You don't know what you're going to do. Um, you have no idea what to do with your life. Uh, you feel your need. Where has the bread run out in your life? What are your fears? What are your anxieties? Uh, what are your health issues? I mean, there's ultimate. There's lots of things. Loneliness. Where do you see your sin? Maybe it's pornography. You can't. You you can't do anything to not look at something. Okay. Uh, maybe it's your tongue you can't do anything to stop gossiping or just to lash out at people and then you're thinking, why did I just say that? you know do you see your heart do you see what's going on? all of those things are like red flags that should say, I need Jesus and I need to lift these things up. I'm in need and so the need <laughs> is is the is is really we're a mountain of need basically and that's why we need to pray so, Do we need to pray? Yes. Just think of your needs. Those are the things you you lift up to the Lord. Um, So, that's the why of prayer. Simply because we're needy. How should we pray? And this is this idea of boldly and without restraint. Okay. The parable is all about that. It's it's desperate. It's shameless asking. um, And... He goes on to say that it's not because of the friendship that the the man the, the the guy with the goods gets up, it's because that the guy was just obnoxious. It says impudence. This word's only used once in the whole New Testament, and so he says this. I tell you that though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will he will rise and give whatever he needs. And so impudence. Um, defined, okay, it's only once in the New Testament, it means lack of sensitivity to what is proper. Impertinence. It describes being without respect or modesty. It's shameless. In other words, He doesn't care what time it is. He doesn't care about anybody sleeping. He doesn't care about the neighbors all getting up and being mad at him. He doesn't care. It's about asking and making the ask and just being bold with God. That's what this is talking about. And so, are you like that with God? Do you really get in God's face, so to speak, with your needs? Do you really get in God's face? Do you care that much about the issues in your life? You might have to just ask God to like change your heart so that you do care enough to, to pray and enough to like feel the need and enough to get in His face about it. Because that's what this is about. Um, it's not about the friendship. It's about are you persistent and are you asking and are you continuing to ask? Verse 9 and 10, he goes into that. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be open to you. This commentator, Leon Morris, he says, it, it is not that God is unwilling and must be pressed into answering, the whole context makes it clear that God is eager to give. But if we do not want what we are asking for enough to be persistent, we do not want it very much. It is not such, it, it, it is not such tepid prayer that is answered. Okay? Do you want answers? I got answers. What movie? Um, <laughs> anyway, um, but the point is, is that we have to ask. Few good men, Jack Nicholson. I got answers. Okay, you want answers? I got answers. Um, are we persistent? Are we really asking, or is it just like every once in a while, like we ask? I think, really, what you know, and this is why the Bible is all about like pray unceasingly, pray without ceasing, because we're supposed to be walking around not with iPods in all the time, and we're supposed to be thinking about our life and the issues. And asking the Holy Spirit to like, God, I'm your soldier in this world, in this specific location. And I got all kinds of things going on, relationships, etc. What do you want me to do? Who do you want me to talk to? You know, what are the issues in my life? You know, help me, you know, deal with these people. Help me to love these people. Help me to serve these people. You know, show me, guide me. I mean, you know, our life is a life of need if we really think about it. And that's why pray, Paul talks about praying unceasingly and pray without ceasing so much is because he's seeing life in that perspective. Like, I can't handle it. And I'm just going to talk to the Lord and ask Him to help me through. Um, one of the books we've been reading in the ministry team is uh, called A Praying Life by Paul Miller. And I really want to recommend that. all to get a, copies for the book table. But it's all about this need. It's all about crying out to God. It's all about saying that you're dependent upon God and you can't handle life on your own. Uh, and that's really what the psalmist does. If you just read the psalms, most of them are just bold-faced, obnoxious cries to God. Like Psalm 70, for instance, where he says this, "...Make haste, O God, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let my Let them, my enemies, be put to shame and confusion who seek my life. Let them be turned back and brought to dishonor who desire my hurt." Let them turn back because of their shame. Who say, Aha! Aha! May all who seek You rejoice and be glad in You. May those who love Your salvation say evermore, God is great, but I am poor and need, and in need. Hasten to me, O God. You are my help and my deliverer, O Lord. Do not delay. I mean, that's a typical psalm where David is in trouble. He's in the cave probably here. His enemies are surrounding him. And he's just crying out to God. That's what prayer is about. It's... It's asking away. It's being bold. And it's getting in God's faith and just asking. And that's what the Psalms are really about. Pouring out our hearts boldly before God. And so, what's the motivation? It's the last thing here. Well, the motivation is God Himself and His grace and His promises. Um, That God is a loving God. That God promises to listen to His children. He promises to be there. And He promises to answer us. And now, in this verse 9 and 10, you have this great promise. It's kind of like a threefold um, promise that's repeated. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. It sounds like um, just basically bold promises. The triple, triple play right here of promises. Ask, seek, knock, uh, given, find, opened. Okay? And he says it basically twice, repeats it. Now, I'm not an English major, but there's parallelism here, and that always means something. That's always emphasizing something, okay? About asking away again, and God loves his children and he is gonna promise and he is gonna answer. Now, the answer is not gonna be Always got that Maserati looks really good. I'm asking you for that. Would you give it to me? Okay. Now we know from other passages that you know this is also about God's will and what He wants. But He will answer us. It might be a no, but that's an answer. Um, I heard something today. When God, when you ask for silver, God often will give you gold. When you ask for gold, God will often give you diamonds. Okay. Um, I don't know who said that, but it sounded good. Um, <clears throat> but, I mean, that's really true. We don't know how God's going to respond to our prayers. He wants us to ask. And we know, too, as believers, we ask in Jesus' name and we ask according uh, to His will. Um, but, you know, it's, in, the, in the Paul Miller book, it, it's kind of like a mountain. Sometimes we think, well, God is sovereign and He'll just do what He wants to do, so I won't ask at all. Or, I'm just going to ask for the Maserati over here, and I'm sure I'll get it. You know, it's, it's more in the middle here. We ask, we give our uh, needs. It's just like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, Lord, if there's any way you know, for this cup to pass, let it be. Let it, let's find another way. But, I want to do this according to Your will. Not my will, but Your will be done. And so there's this balance in our prayers like that. But we have to ask. And the motivation is we have a loving God. And Leon Morris says, the commentator, that the whole context is that God is eager to give. He's a loving God. He has abundant grace. And so we see that grace in the next section where he starts talking about a father, a human earthly father, compared to, the, to the, our Father in Heaven. He says, What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will the heavenly father give the holy spirit to those who ask them ask him the point is is that you know in in our humanity our earthly fathers are sinners okay and they still know how to give good gifts but think of your heavenly father he is the one who gives the abundant gift he gave his very own son for us and so we boldly go to Him because He has given us all things in Christ, and through Christ He gives us the Holy Spirit uh, as our Counselor and as our Guide. And so we have a real turn here when all of a sudden Jesus starts talking about, "Here's the best gift, folks. You know, not uh, not bread or uh, not eggs or or uh, um, you know or fish, but the ultimate thing y'all need." Is the Holy Spirit? Um, you know that's what we ultimately need. That's the best gift. That's the best gift. The Holy Spirit. God Himself, His presence with us, helping us. The Comforter, the Counselor, the One who gives us the assurance that we're God's children, that we're saved, that we're going to be in heaven, that we have hope. Okay, so that as you think about all your need and craziness and all the problems and everything. If you do that alone, that's really desperate. But man, if you have the Holy Spirit in there in the midst of the trial, that's the hope. That's the awesome aspect of this. So we have the paraclete. We have the the one who is beside us, uh, the counselor, um, the deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Okay, and so in Romans 8, it talks about all these wonderful things that the Holy Spirit gives us. It It lets us know that we are His sons and daughters, uh, that we can cry, Abba, Father, that we have this intimate relationship with God, that we get the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, that the Spirit helps us in our weakness, helps us even pray. It says, For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. One of the things that Paul Miller says in his book is sometimes he just prays Jesus. You know Jesus. He doesn't know what to pray. He just prays for Jesus. You know to be with him. And so there's so much here um, that God gives us. Uh, and but the key thing is is that we see our dependence upon Him. We see our needs, and we see that He is a gracious, loving Heavenly Father who has everything that we need. And He especially has the Holy Spirit. And that's what we ultimately need. I mean, it was so clear to me yesterday. With, with Amy and her parents there in the, in the uh, room before she went into surgery, this woman had the Holy Spirit. I mean, she was joyful. She's joking around with us. And this is a major surgery getting around, you know, coming. And, uh, you know, it was very clear that the Lord uh, was with her, giving her peace beyond any human could understand. And uh, that's, that's the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me pray. Father, thanks... For this night. Thank you for uh, this parable about prayer and about need and about being bold and, and really impertinent and obnoxious asking you. I pray, Father, that you would give us the spirit to ask. Lord, the things that are burdening us, the things on our heart. Lord, we're so quick to run around and try to talk to other people, but we never talk to you. Uh, Jesus, help us to really be bold and to go and to talk with you and to find the Holy Spirit and the comfort and the peace and the direction that we need in life. Lord, help us if we need to shut off the iPod or the or the computer or ESPN or Sports Center or whatever it is. Lord, help us to be people who uh, don't neglect to pray. Uh, help us not to just allow life to, to run us, but help us to be people who really see uh, the battle and the fact that you placed us here in a, in a place with a lot of need and needs a lot of prayer and so we we lift it up to you thank you for this night pray that you be glorified in Jesus name amen okay music team.